0: It is I, it is me, it is she, Black Witch on the Prairie, aka Nampande, and we are gathered here today to talk about how to reclaim your personal power using ancestral wisdom, aka witchery, and how to embody the phrase, the personal is political. So this is our first ever episode. This is where it all begins. Apologies in advance for, or well, not in advance after the fact. For the audio quality of the trailer, I'm still learning recording and editing techniques. Um, Speaking of learning, we will find out today exactly how long these episodes are going to be and whether I can learn not to clap when I'm talking (laughs) because that also would be why the audio was the way that it was. Okay, so first up, we're going to do the tarot reading and this one All of the tarot readings, I'm going to sync up with the cycles of the moon. So this tarot reading is going to be uh, for the new moon in Scorpio, which is happening November 4th or 5th, depending on where exactly you are. So the deck that I'm using here is the Dust to Onyx deck by Courtney Alexander. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite decks. It is, um, Courtney Alexander is a black artist, uh, based in the united states and her cards are just beautiful they're gorgeous they're they're kind of all black and i like that um and they're so velvety and it's just as soon as you open the box it's like it feels like magic i've also you'll see this if you watch the video on youtube or on instagram but i decided i um didn't want to go out for halloween but i still wanted to dress up because i'm a creative person and i enjoy that and so i decided to dress up as sailor moon for y'all well not sailor moon herself but like a sailor moon inspired look because i am a cancer as is she which is why a lot of y'all don't like her because she's crying all the time but i don't cry because i'm a lever rising I'm just going to take a second to shuffle so I can cut the shuffling sound out. So the spread I'm going to use is a super simple one. I'm just going to do a past, present, and future. And the new moon is a perfect time for setting intentions. So we want to look at what is influencing you from your past, what is happening in your present, and where are you heading towards, and how can you factor all three of those things in when you are setting your intentions for this moon cycle. So... The card that we have in the position of the past is Temperance. It's a beautiful card, and it's really all about balance. And so, this card makes a lot of sense because we're coming out of Libra season. Libra season is also all about balance. Libra is, you know, the scales. So this call, this card is calling you to look at your life and look at. Um, either areas where there is balance or where you might be lacking balance, where you can use more balance and how that's affected you in the past. So, and also how you can carry that into the future. So for example, for me, I am recording this podcast, um, at 6 PM, the, like the weekend before I want to release it. I wanted to record it a lot earlier, but I ran into a lot of blockages and I'm super proud of myself for just sticking with it and recording anyway. Um, but I know that a lot of the times I put things off until the last minute or I drag them out and um, I was talking with somebody about how that can be a form of being addicted to chaos, right? Because it causes stress. It causes anxiety. You, and, and you can feel like, okay, this is what I need in order to accomplish something. I need that rush of adrenaline. I need that hit of energy. Um, but you know, this card is asking you, is there another way that you can, you can do that? Is there another way that you can prepare yourself that feels more comfortable and feels more maybe loving, you know, and, and, um, and just being more gentle. So that's what I'm taking from this, um, is to look at, okay, I've come as far as I have. Um, but in what ways have I been moving in a way that is sustainable, you know? Uh, which brings us to the next card, which is the present, which is the rider in reverse. So this card in other decks would be called the chariot. This is card number seven. This is also major arcana. So these first two are like really long-term themes. They're probably going to carry out through all the, throughout the whole moon, uh, moon cycle. And so this card, um, is about action. It's about okay you have got your vision you know where you want to go and you are moving you are rolling you are running I said I wasn't going to clap I just did I promise I'll do better but um yeah it's about it's about taking action towards the things that you want and the goals that you have so because the card is in reverse it's ca- it's asking you to really really reflect on what are you taking action on why and how so this ties into the previous card because you know it was talking about um maybe uh finding more balance in your life right so when you look at that it's like okay if you're putting all of your energy and all in your all of your focus into your career and going 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 are you also putting that same kind of energy into your personal life into your into your mental health into your well-being into your relationships and, you know, if you're not, it, that makes sense because we only have so much energy. So you might want to look at, well, why? Why are you so, so focused on your career? Is it because you feel like, you know, that's what defines you? That's where you get love. That's that's um, do you feel good about yourself? if you're not so focused on your career are you also doing it just because you feel like that's what other people expect from you that's what other people need from you right um so i will also say about reversed cards that um some people feel like that's a negative thing i don't really think of it that way i just think of it as it's calling extra attention to whatever the issue is whatever it is that you're looking at so first card past, we were looking at balance um and the second card, we're looking at action. So now we're going into the future. And this is Young Staff, which is in other decks would be the uh, Knight of Fire, or sorry, not Knight of Fire, Knight of Wands. But yes, the element of this card is fire. And the Knights are also about taking action. So this card is about what is what is truly your passion and what is your spirit and how are you moving towards that you know how are you standing up for what you really really um want and care about and it's calling you to to chase after what really lights you up and so i think that ties into this question of again the present what are you putting your energy into and why you know um if you're just putting your energy into something because you feel like that's what people need want from you or expect from you or that's what you should be doing, um, that energy isn't going to last forever. And you might not be fully satisfied with the results of whatever you're working towards. So the young staff here is asking you to do what you want and put all of your energy towards it because it's what you want. Um, and that's, that's what your future is. So... I'm just looking for the book. Mm, I know where the book is. I can't access the book right now. I will go back and look at it later because uh, what I love about her descriptions of the cards, there's so much detail. And specifically with these um, court cards, they're often made like it's a combination of of two people's faces. So I'm curious as to whose face this is. Actually, you know, what? I can do it. It's just going to be a little bit... (laughs) Uh, sketchy. So Mm -hmm. Lord have mercy. All right. So the young staff, and I will say also in general, just about the, about Scorpio season is Scorpio season is a season of purification. It's about getting down to the truth, getting down to the nitty gritty, really, moving past all of the illusions and just getting to the heart of things and looking at the things that are hard to look at and talking about the things that are hard to talk about and the things that are taboo. So this spread is acting asking you to be as honest as possible with yourself. We just came out of Libra season, which is all about looking cute and making sure everybody is happy. No, no more of that. This is not about what looks the best or what makes you look the best. This is about the truth. Okay. Oh, okay. So young staff. Um, so the keywords here are warrior, adventurous, amb- amb- adventurous, ambition, charisma, competitive. But it can also be hasty, cavalier, volatile, sedentary, and aimless. So it's really about channeling your energy, channeling your self-expression. And so it says the eyes and face of young staff are from Tupac Shakur, one of the best-selling hip-hop artists to date. He used his music as a vehicle to speak on community violence Hardships and racism, as well as to describe decry mm, decry social inequalities. Shakur's son is in the error sign of Gemini, along with his Gemini, along with his Venus and Mercury. Okay, I'm skipped. There's a lot here. Like there's literally three pages, so I'm just gonna try to highlight what's most important. So this placement made for a short temper, especially in the face of injustice. He was known by his peers as charismatic, opinionated, dynamic, restless, quick tempered, and quite the promiscuous ladies' man. He lived life as if nothing could stand in his way and believed himself in himself immensely Tupac prioritized unity and respect most of all Tupac carried a deep passion for the black community he demonstrated this through his love of the arts and theater as well as the poetic intensity he channeled into his music he was dedicated to his political convictions which he shared in interviews so the young staff encourages you to evaluate your development and where your life force is being directed what did I say? is that not what I said? I said that (laughs) um it may be time to take a risk if you have without a positive result find a way to cool your ambitions before continuing forward look to the quality of the flame to see what is illuminated in your life and others young staff is a natural leader and if expressed constructively can light the way for the chariot to steer into greatness you see the chariot or the rider was the second card that we pulled it was the past car- or the present card okay i think that's that's good so yeah the, the takeaway from this reading is really to look at where you're going why you're going there and if you're going there in a way that is sustainable Okay, okay, okay. So the first segment that we're going to get into now that we finished the tarot reading is called Black Joy Matters. This is the segment where I express gratitude for that which brings me black joy. So today I am going to be talking about a few podcasts and there's going to be a lot of podcasts that I talk about at different points for this segment. But today I just really wanted to talk about the podcast that got me to where I am today, which is podcasting. So the first podcast that I want to express gratitude for is Soul Unexpected by Adeline Bird. So Adeline is actually one of my mentors and uh, someone who made it not only who not only gave me like a, a you know, I don't know, a verbal push to start podcasting, but also financially supported this podcast. And I I don't really remember how I started listening to her podcast. I think I moved back here and I found out about her and I was like, Oh, let me check out this podcast. And I downloaded Spreaker, which is like this random app at the time, just to listen to her podcast. And yeah, it was just really amazing listening to the podcast. It was really inspiring to know that there was somebody out here doing big creative things that I wanted to do who was also from Winnipeg. Um, Because I think when I left Winnipeg uh, after high school, I felt like, you know, nothing can be done here. And after some time away, I came to understand there's actually really amazing things happening here and a really amazing art scene and social scene and um, Adeline's a great representation of that. So yeah, you can find, I will link all of the podcasts in the description. So the second podcast I wanted to name drop was Tea with Queen and Jay. And that was the podcast that just really got me into podcasts. Like before that, I honestly, three, four years ago, I didn't even understand the point of podcasts. I was like, why would you just listen to people talk? I don't I don't get it. I don't see the appeal. But when I came across that podcast, I was in a bit of a dark place. Uh, LOL. Um, let's just say a pretty dark place. I think I was probably pretty newly sober and struggling with isolation and, um, didn't have a lot of connections with, uh, in general and listening to Tea with Queen and Jay which is a womanist race nerd podcast and i just really loved how black they are and how how strong they are in their politics and their it, not even just the um because they're also very community minded listen i love everything about the podcast and that's when i started like listening to podcasts all day, every day. So yeah, it just, it makes me laugh. Uh, it helped me to embrace my feelings. I particularly love how one of the hosts Jay is always crying. Um, and then, you know, it helps me to embrace my anger as well, because there's a segment called the pit where they just talk about some things that piss them off. And I love that. And through their podcast, I discovered a whole bunch of other amazing podcasts because they have a Group called the Black Baddie Brigade. So that's how I ended up listening to Queer Walk, R.I.P. Nikita Slade, Marsha's Plate, Bag Ladies, Inner Ho Uprising, all amazing podcasts. And all because I listened to teens Queen, and Jay. And the third podcast that I love and that I want to express joy for today is Side Hustle Pro by Nakela Matthews Akome. So I actually discovered this podcast because I had taken Danielle Leslie's online course webinar. I don't know if, if you're me, you get these ads constantly on Instagram for like, take this free masterclass on how to start your online business and make six figures or whatever. So um, there was one that I had just like signed up for and it, you know I sign up for them all the time and then I don't even go and I just end up on these newsletters and I literally had to clear out 10,000 emails and unsubscribe from a whole bunch of newsletters the other day because it had gotten out of control but this was this was back in the day this was the beginning of that so I went to uh, this webinar and um Danielle was actually there live, which surprised me. And she's a black woman, so I was like, okay. And everything she was saying made a lot of sense. And so she had these like testimonials of people who took her course and set up their own courses and were successful. So I was like, you know what? Let me check these out. So I looked up Side Hustle Pro through that and was like, oh wow, this is legit. This is actually somebody who has a uh, had a side hustle for many years, which was the podcast that then actually became um, became their full-time job so I was like this is so cool so I started listening to it and she basically every week interviews black women entrepreneurs which I find so helpful and so affirming it gave me the groundwork to think differently about money and business as well as black women role models to look to who are also trying to redefine How to build wealth. Speaking of, it also turned me onto the podcast "Journey to Launch" with Jamila Souffrant, which helped me to learn and understand money better and things like passive income streams. And altogether, it really was the big beginning of me starting to understand how I can create or learn anything new that I want to. Right? You know, for example, podcasting is something that I learned, and I think because I listened to these podcasts, I started to figure out that, okay, if I want to learn how to do, if I want to learn how to start a business and I need a sales funnel, okay, I can follow this person. This person talks about sales funnels. I can get this information here. I can get that information there. Um, and I can put it all together and create what I need it to be, you know? So that's super amazing. Okay. Last podcast, say your mind by Kelechi Okafar. I started listening to this podcast in June 2020 and it was so needed because at that time I was just so overwhelmed with emotion and full beyond the brim of rage and frustration with so-called allies or people who wanted to really talk the talk but had no interest in walking the walk and I just had so much pain and um Listening to Kalachi's podcast, because she's very big on Black women embracing our anger, it was so soothing to me and it was very empowering. It also helped to inspire and affirm me because by that point I knew I wanted to make a podcast and I, I had an idea of what I wanted it to be, but, you know, originally I thought I would do a co-hosted podcast, but I was kind of having trouble because I I, I guess there there weren't necessarily people in my circle who wanted to make a podcast as much as I did, I guess. And well, at one point my mom was like, well, why don't you just make one by yourself? And I was like, okay. But I didn't have, most of the podcasts I was listening to were interview podcasts or co-hosted podcasts. I didn't, I I didn't know that I could do it myself, you know? And so when I listened to Kalechi, I was like, wow, this is somebody who's podcasting solo, super funny, also spiritual does tarot readings and is political. Like I didn't, I didn't know that I could fit all of the parts of myself in one podcast. I felt like, oh, it has to just be this, or it has to just be like (laughs) the things that exist in me simultaneously can't be in one podcast, I guess. Um, I, it's essentially, it's why I named the podcast, you know, Black Witch on the Prairie, because my blackness, my witcheryness and being from the prairies are all supposedly things that I shouldn't be and shouldn't also exist in conjunction with one another. So um, I wanted to really embrace that and just be like, these are all the sides of me. You know, I'm a creative person. I'm a funny person. I'm a comedian. I'm an artist. I also, you know, I'm a community organizer. I'm also entrepreneurially minded. I'm, I'm all of these things in one, you know? So that's Black Joy Matters. Second segment, Black Girl Magic. So this will be the segment where I talk about all things witchery. So I'm going to approach it differently every time. We're going to see, again, we're figuring things out. This is the first one. This is the first day, right? So I will... This time I'm going to be talking about a particular herb and you know I might talk about crystals, I might talk about tarot decks, I might talk about essential oils, astrology, human design, Ayurveda, we'll see where we go. But today I am going to be talking about my favorite herb and some of you are thinking that I'm going to be saying weed and you're wrong as hell for that because I am sober. But anyway we'll talk about that more extensively another time and some of you might be thinking lavender and it's true I do love her and so does everybody else because she doesn't cause any trouble and she's literally the definition of chill but actually my favorite herb at the moment is blue spice basil I came across it super randomly at um a local market, Jalde Saint Um, A couple of years ago, we were just like smelling different varieties of basil and mint, and I was like, "Oh, this one is so cool! I want to try it." And ever since, we've been growing it, and I'm obsessed. So it is apparently a cross between lemon basil and purple basil that just. Happened in the wild, you know, lemon basil was looking at purple basil and was like, well, what did you think? And, you know, as far as what it looks like, it looks like regular basil, but the leaves are a bit smaller and they look more like mint. Like they're a bit fuzzier and they have, um, what is it called? More jagged edges. Yeah, they're less round. Um, speaking of jagged edge, am I the only one who grew up thinking that was like an artist and not a whole group? Because the two main singers are twins. I just thought everybody else was a backup dancer. Anyway, whatever. Back to Blue Spice Basil. So um, it has purple flowers and it flowers like crazy. Like it starts, I shouldn't say like crazy. Um, it flowers a lot. Like it will start flowering very quickly and you have to be on top of the flowers. Why I love it though is because it smells amazing. Like when you rub the leaves, this like, vanilla blueberry scent comes out oh it smells so good and it tastes kind of fresh and citrusy with a little bit of like a spicy clove note I don't even know but when you throw it in salads it just takes it to that next level so that's how I use it and when I have the fresh one I put it in salads, and then I also dry it and then in the winter I put it in tea and it's just Oh, it's delicious. Um, I haven't tried pesto, which I realize now is a terrible, terrible mistake, but I will be trying that next summer. Although I did dig the blue spice basil out of the garden this summer, but also I kind of cut some of the roots. So I had to cut off all the leaves and dry them, but now it's coming back. Like it's coming back and it's, so wild how quickly it has regrown. Like it literally was a stump with a couple of leaves and now it's a huge plant and it have flower, has flowers already. Anyway, so when I have enough for pesto, I will try that. Yeah, uh, as far as the physical properties, it apparently, so it was a little bit tough to look up the the physical properties as well as the metaphysical or maybe magical properties because it's such a rare variety of basil that there isn't a lot out there. On it, So I kind of cobbled together information between things that are general about basil and then things that are specific to lemon basil and purple basil. Um, although I think the physical properties I did find about just blue by basil. So apparently it's high in vitamins K, A, and C, so it's healing and anti-inflammatory, helps boost the immune system, it's antioxidant, has high antioxidants, anti-anxiety, it's calming and soothing, it boosts digestion. So it might also be an adaptogen like holy basil or tulsi, which tulsi um, is known to be an adaptogen, meaning it really, really helps to heal from adrenal fatigue. But we don't know that about, or I don't know that about blue spice basil. Maybe somebody knows. And if you do know, let me know. But I suspect that it might be because the, the leaves look more similar to one another than they do the leaves of you know, like a sweet basil or a global basil or something like that. So as far as metaphysical or witchy properties, um, it's a very protective herb. Uh, It's good for attracting love, loyalty, peace, and money, abundance. It's associated with the heart chakra because, you know, basil is green. Um, So, you know, again, that ties into the abundance, the love, the protection. But it's also, I would guess, associated with the third eye chakra because it's a little bit it is a little bit purple and it is a cross with purple basil. So it can help to um, enhance uh, intuition and clarity of vision. So yeah, that would be Black Girl Magic. So the next segment that I'm going to talk about is Black Thought. So this is the segment where I, you know, share whatever my thoughts are on whatever topic or situation is going on at the time um i might also call this segment black rage matters does anyone else remember that um song that when lauren hill did that remake of i don't remember what it was based on but she did that song called black rage it was so beautiful um a few years ago anyway what i want to talk about is the word microaggression and why I don't want to use it anymore. So don't talk to me about it. I don't believe in microaggressions because I think the things that we are talking about, or I think it very much, it diminishes the importance of the issue. Part of the thing with like the, the kinds of, um, incidents that we're talking about is what makes them so painful what makes them so traumatizing is the fact that people will try to tell you oh it's not that big of a deal don't worry about it you're 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 doing too much you're thinking too much um just let it go so even calling it a microaggression is is trying to say that it's somehow less than regular aggression it's it's not as bad and I think that the oppression or in this case the aggression Olympics are not serving us because if you ask me where I'm from and refuse to accept when I say Winnipeg that is not something that is just small it is an act of aggression it is it it is it is you completely rejecting what I am telling you about who I am and like you're telling me that what I know to be true is not true, and that's rude. Okay, it's completely invalidating, and I think, especially because of how me- how often these aggressions occur, um, and how much they compound, I think a more useful way to talk about it is actually racial abuse, um, especially when we're talking about places where you don't have a choice but to be so if you're at work or if you're a child and you're at school these little comments about your hair or your family and like all of the things right it 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 just adds up and it leads to feeling like you're not worthy as a person feeling like you're not that important that you're not uh that you're less than right Um, And the same way that, okay, well, I'll take a second to explain this because not everyone might be familiar with this term, but I have read a lot about complex PTSD. So the basic differentiation is that PTSD is, you know, you have one singular traumatic event, like you uh, were in a car accident or you were whatever, like one thing happens and then Uh, that affects your life thereafter right but complex PTSD um, involves repeated trauma over time and so you see complex PTSD a lot more with people who are victims of some sort of childhood abuse or survivors sorry of some sort of childhood abuse and not just you know the kinds of abuse that we're we're willing to um, acknowledge you know if we're talking about now the abuse olympics like you know, sexual abuse or physical abuse. It also applies to emotional abuse or emotional neglect. And it can have just as long-term effects on your uh, emotional well-being, actually your entire your entire existence. Um, just like PTSD can affect your moods, can affect your sleep, can affect the way you eat, so can complex PTSD. So the reason that I bring this up is if we're talking about children experiencing so-called microaggressions, day in and day out, at a place where they have to be for eight hours a day, five days a week, with no support, right? No trusted adult to come in and say, it's actually not okay that these other kids are making fun of your name, or it's not okay that they're pressuring you to let them say the n-word, which is something I cannot wrap my head around. For context, this particular example comes from a page which I created and ran last summer um, called It Happens in Winnipeg. So I I extended a space for Black people in Winnipeg to share their experiences with anti-Black violence and It was a very powerful experience. I got hundreds of stories and I originally didn't think I would be really running a page. I just created a hashtag and I said, you know, share your stories. And what I didn't realize is that we are still so unsafe to just speak about the things that happened to us that most people had to send me their stories anonymously. And a lot of those people were children and a lot of the stories that kept coming up were about all kinds of horrible things happening in school and not having any support from the teachers or the administration or it being at the hands of the administration and yeah one of the biggest examples was that people were saying or these children were saying well everybody is telling me i have to give them a pass and let them let them say the n-word which this this is what i'm saying that's not a microaggression okay if you are, if I am at school or at work and you're trying to tell me that you have the right to say nigger, you are trying to get me to fight you because you are insulting and denigrating my humanity. So why that wouldn't be grounds for a fight, I cannot comprehend, okay? Like even just talking about it right now, like my heart rate is going up, like I feel like I am being triggered my my fight or flight response, flight fight, flight, freeze, fawn response is being triggered. So all of this to say that I don't believe in the word microaggressions. I think the word microaggression in and of itself is aggressive. So don't say it to me. And if you want to talk about racial abuse, call it racial abuse. It's And why I was talking about these schools is like, well, that's why... I, that's why I think it's important to call it racial abuse. You know, when I went to school, there was all this talk of bullying. It was always, you know, there were all these assemblies about bullying. There were all these assemblies, or these, you know, Oprah was talking about bullying. And racial abuse was never given that same level of attention. And so it's like, how many other children like me? who went to these schools and suffered racial abuse like are adults now who are struggling to function you know and I will say you know there were I remember asking a friend if they had if they had read the page and you know they were like I I can't I literally can't like it's too it's too triggering you know and this is like a fully grown a fully grown person who was like confessing to me that somebody that we knew had, 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 um, called the nigger every single day at school, you know? And it's like, we need space for that. And we need terms that actually reflect that truth. So that term is not going to be microaggression. Okay. All right. So we have reached the final segment, which is called on the prairie so this is the part where i'm going to talk about what's happening locally so we can focus on what's actually within reach for us to affect so this is what i'm talking about also when it comes to how the personal is political because the things that we do in our our day-to-day lives um affect each other affects everybody and that is where we have the most power to change things, you know you don't have to run for office. you don't have to um, i don't know we we always think of changes being some huge big thing that's happening elsewhere, but it it's it's also it compounds, so it's all of the small little things that we can do. And I think the best way to look at what those little things are is to look at what's happening locally. So the first thing I want to talk about is the division of power and the difference between federal, provincial, and municipal governments. Um, The reason being, I don't think people always understand who is responsible for what and therefore who to hold accountable for what. And this affects our elections, right? So if you think that it's, you know, the federal government's fault that the roads are a mess, then that's going to affect how you vote, even if that's not true. So, the federal responsibilities of the federal government are national defense, so the army, uh, foreign affairs, EI, banking, taxes, the post office, fisheries, and most importantly, um, indigenous and first nations, lands and rights, and also criminal law. Um, now, provincially, the government is responsible for hospitals, prisons, schools, um, marriage, property, and civil rights. So I actually learned a little bit about this when I was in university. The reason was that when, you know, they drew up the constitution back then, like healthcare was basically non-existent. You know, maybe people called a doctor over to their house every once in a while, but it wasn't, you know, they literally didn't basically have hospitals, right? Um, Whereas now, Healthcare has become such a huge thing and it continues to get bigger and bigger as the population ages and it's not just, you know, hospitals, it's also personal care homes. Okay, I'm going to get right back to that, but just quickly, the other two levels of government are municipal and which is like things like libraries, parks, um, community, water systems, local police, roads, and parking. And then um, band councils, the um First Nation um reserves and territories. So, it's important to know who's responsible for who, but it's not just legally who's responsible for what because so since the way that these responsibilities were drawn up doesn't necessarily reflect anymore what the country looks like. There's another element to things, which is money. So, for things like healthcare, for example, Even though it's a provincial responsibility, the money actually comes from the federal government because they collect enough taxes to be able to fund it, right? So this is also where it gets a little complicated because sometimes a certain level of government may be responsible for something, but if somebody else is holding the purse strings, they can dictate how that money is used to a certain extent. So that's important to keep in mind and then the last part to talk about here is the party system um, which I'm going to come right out and say I do not believe in. I do not believe that the party system is democratic. I actually think it's very anti-democratic because what ends up happening is that from what I've seen, when people get elected to office, instead of representing their constituency, they represent the interests of their party. And the interest of their party is to secure and hold on to power. So if you have or an MP in one um, riding and the MP in the riding right next to it, they could be in different parties and they might be voting on a bill that actually their interest, the interests of their um, constituents are aligned, but they're going to vote differently because they don't vote according to what their constituents want. They vote according to what their party wants. So to me, that's not democracy. I personally, sorry, and I don't think it's a question of, oh, well, it's better to have more parties or it's better to have less parties. No, I think it should be that whoever we vote for represents our interests. And so they should go in there, similar to maybe, at, you know, the municipal level where it's like, well, we'll talk more about the municipal level in a second, but they go in and they see who else has been elected and then they start figuring out, okay, how could we work together? Who has the same interests as me? How can we figure, figure further those interests? The The other reason I say this is because if you're not from one of those major parties, you will have a very difficult time getting elected and you can't really hold any power. You can't become a minister. You can't become prime minister. So how do we get real radical change? I think it's a real detriment to our our system because we don't get, we're not going to have people coming in who Even people coming in with the best of intentions are not necessarily going to be able to make a lot of change because of the system, because of the structure around it. So that's what I feel like needs to change. The other reason being that like a lot of the times these parties are two sides of the same coin. They will oppose something while somebody else is in government. And then when they go in, they either, you know, further the same thing or they don't Undo it like it's it's uh it's very disheartening and uh, disingenuous and I think it's part of the reason why we don't have a lot of belief in politics. But but this is a point, right? Is if we're even going to try to start holding people accountable, we need to know how. So that's why I wanted to talk about the different levels and just quickly about the municipal level. There are no parties at the municipal level, but there is a lot of bullying and harassment, which is also an issue. I will include a link to an article about that in the show notes. Um, But yeah, it's interesting because a lot of positions run uncontested. I think the article is like something like 40% of positions run uncontested. So it becomes a very small clique of people who are controlling everything. And if you don't believe what they believe, they will physically, sexually harass you and run you out. And... That's also a problem because if we look at who gets to live where and how, a lot of that is municipal. And so we need to make sure that the people in those positions are able to do their jobs. Okay, so now we get to the real, real so this episode is the first of a three-part series called Water is Wet. Why? Because it's Scorpio season and we are talking about water. Specifically, I wanted to talk about this because Manitoba is known as, you know, the land of 10,000 lakes or something like that. We've got a lot of lakes. Uh it's in the thousands, the exact number I don't know. So we have a lot of water and as you know, climate change continues it becomes more and more obvious how important water is. And it's like, we have so much access to fresh water and yet the things that we're doing with it, I I don't, I, I can't understand. I cannot. Like, I just want to know like, what is actually going on? What is wrong with the Red River? And what is wrong with Lake Winnipeg? Like, why do we have these beautiful, huge waterways that we don't even want to swim in, right? I was watching Jeopardy the other day. And they had a clue where it was a picture of a lake and it was like, the clue was something like the algae in this lake is so bad it can be seen from space. So then they had a satellite image of the lake. And the answer was, what is Lake Winnipeg? That is embarrassing, okay? This can't be the kind of thing that we make the news for. Every time we're on international news, it's because the mayor kicked a child in the face or we're colder than the surface of Mars or our lake is so full of algae, you can see it from space. We need to do better. Okay. It's embarrassing and it's disgusting. Like I went to the beach last summer and we ended up at Lake Winnipeg or not. Well, yeah, Lake Winnipeg. We ended up at Winnipeg Beach by accident because we missed a turn and we get in the water and we're swimming and there's literally a floating dead fish. Like, ew. You know, or you go to Grand Beach and it's full of algae and you just get yeast infections. Ugh, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And so the reason is because we keep dumping stuff into the water, which I just don't, like, what, what is the, what is, you know, to quote Cardi B, what is the reason? Okay, okay. But why does it make sense to drop, dump raw sewage into the river? I can link to another article uh, about how the residents of the Asiniboine River were upset about how much raw sewage was being dumped into the water, which, yeah, literally, it's like, I don't want to flush my toilet and that stuff ends up in the river. That's gross. Literally, like, it's as simple as, you know, you don't shit where you eat. So why would we shit into it? Especially... You know, going back to what I was talking about on the trailer about how Western countries think they're so civilized because they can build roads allegedly. And it's like, well, what kind of civilized people dumps shit in water? Where do they do that? Ugh, I can't. So all of this brings me to the specific thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode, which is Camp Morningstar. So I learned about this by watching a short film, which is part of a series called The Lake Winnipeg Project by director Kevin Setty. Uh You can watch it on the NFB website. It'll be linked. So it talks about the community of hollow water First Nation um, and some water protectors who built a sacred fire to protect the land and the relationship that they have to... Um, the water and the land there Um, and they're trying to they're opposing a silica mine that Canada Premium Sands wants to build it's just it's a really great film and especially because it shows the legacy of destruction from a previous silica mine which operated from 1929 to the 1980s on Black Island and when you see these videos it's like the water is blood red. I'd recommend you watch the video for some background on the actual issue at hand—the silica mine that they want to that they want to build. Um, in this case, which is near Vivian, Manitoba. So basically, they found this super fine silica sand um, that can be used for a lot of technological things, like microchips. Um, originally, they wanted to use it for the oil and gas industry. Um, Now there's been a bit of a slump and I think they're also just rebranding. So they said they want to use it for solar panels, which is just, it's not even, it's not even real. I'll link another, um, an interview with some of the members of Camp Morningstar talking about, um, how their own scientists have shown that they don't have the technology to do what they're claiming to want to do. So yeah, allegedly they want to use it for solar panels. So there are just issues upon issues upon issues with this mine. Um, for reference, for anybody who doesn't know where it is, it's like Southeast Manitoba. So towards the Ontario border. Um, so a lot of it is that they haven't followed the duty to consult um, protocols, which is for people who don't know, Section 35 of our Constitution as a country says that they have to—they have a duty to consult First Nations on issues involving land that would impact their treaty rights. So they haven't been consulting properly, they haven't been going through the proper environmental assessment process, um, or su- submitting the proper information so beyond that though if we get into the specifics part of the problem is the they didn't even when they started wanting to do this they didn't even know how they were going to get the silica out they were like we literally have to make something up we have to come up with a new way of drilling for the silica so okay let me give you the basics so this silica sand is under several different layers of earth and rock specifically there's a layer called the aquifer which is like basically rock that has holes in it with all the groundwater so that groundwater is the source of drinking water for like all of southeastern manitoba so in order to get through this what they basically want to do is just poke a bunch of little holes just a bunch of little holes and suck up the sand um which (laughs) If you've ever poked a bunch of holes in something, you know that eventually it kind of like it it ruins the um your your stuff is going to fall, right? If it's a cake and you pop, or poke a bunch of holes in it, like it's going to sag, it's going to sink into it. Um not generally what we want to happen to land that we live on. Also, in terms of the fact that there is water underneath there, it means that all of these different layers, some of which are will have poisonous chemical reactions if they mix with the other layers so basically it's going to end up poisoning the water right it has the potential to do that um even if they do it right which okay we'll get back to that but like the sand comes up with water so they pull up all this sand and water it's like 85% water, I think. And then it they have to like filter the sand out. So they need more water. And it's something like 150,000 liters a day. And they had to add chemicals to filter that water, which can break down and become toxic. They need somewhere to dump the water, which, you know, it is looking like they might end up dumping it in the Broken Head River, which would destroy the fish in that river. And it also filters directly into Lake Winnipeg. So... Our embarrassing, disgusting lake will be even more embarrassing and disgusting. Um, and possibly blood red. During the transportation of this water and sand mixture, it could leak. And it will likely be crossing the Winnipeg Aqueduct, which is what brings our drinking water here to the city of Winnipeg from Shoal Lake. So even a tiny leak could be super disastrous because it's the the chemicals at that point would be super poisonous so it's like there's just so many so many potential areas of disaster and that's that's if everything goes right however a couple of years ago they did their exploratory phase so they're like let's just try this out let's poke some holes and see what happens and when they finished poking their holes they just left they just left. They kind of sort of sealed some of the holes, but some of them are still open and exposed two years later, which just leads to a whole bunch of other... But like those holes, which are literally open at this moment, can also cause um, contamination of groundwater. So... I don't know. It's feeling very Aaron Brockovich to me. It's, it's feeling very Chernobyl to me where it's like, um, everything here is saying this is a terrible idea. And yet we're just going to wait until we kill hundreds of thousands of people. Is that the plan? So what can we do about this? Specifically, let's start with Captain Morningstar, because I think that it's always important to follow the lead of indigenous peoples and the water protectors who have been here for hundreds of thousands of years and knew better than to dump shit in the water. So to support the work at Camp Morningstar, you can uh, donate financially. So that link will be in the description. And you can also request Virtual presentations. So on Zoom, you can have them come talk to your school, your uh, organization, um, anything like that. And, you know, they do require donations because it is a volunteer organization. But that's another really great way to help spread the word and help mobilize people. This is a provincially approved project. So um, unless it needs the go-ahead of the provincial ministry of conservation and climate. So you can reach out to them um, directly. You can also sign. There's a link to a change.org petition. Yeah, and as always, if you come up with another way to get involved, let me know. I the reason that I'm sharing these these stories and talking about these issues is not because I'm I know everything. You know, um, so I also encourage you to do your own research and let this be a jumping off point. Let this be something that just piques your interest and find whatever way that you think is best to get involved. Because, yeah, I would really like if 20 years from now, I wasn't in some documentary about how the water got poisoned and we used to have all this amazing stuff and now it's all gone. Okay, so that's that. All right. So lastly, I just want to give some shout outs. I want to shout out again my mentor Adeline Bird, and also Camera Khan, who also supported this podcast, helped to mentor me. I also want to shout out the Moonsite planning system and Moonsite digital planner. So I'll just take a quick second to talk about those. Basically, I came across this system last year and it is it's a way of following the cycle of the moon to understand how your energy shifts so for me it's like i think i held back from a lot of things because i always worried that i was worried that you know sometimes i sign up for something or i plan something on a day when i have so much energy and then it comes around and i don't have any energy and i just it makes me really anxious and it makes me afraid to commit to things because what if i'm not actually able to follow through and understanding that there are natural peaks and valleys to your um, energy was a game changer for me and made it easier for me to plan because I'm not a person who you know Instagram grind culture will be like get up and do it every day even if you're crying even if you're burning out and listen I have been in and out of burnout for as long as I can remember. I can't do it anymore. I literally can't do it. So yeah, it was a game changer for me. I got the, I use the Moonsight Digital Planner and specifically also for like business and for personal projects, it can be really helpful to understand, okay, this is when it's going to be a good time to do your, um, like the exciting idea brainstorming part of it. And then this is when you need to move into like the more boring tasks of breaking things down and figuring out how to do it more routine work. And this is when you just need to take time off because you're going to be in your feelings and you're not going to care, you know? So I have a link in the description. It's an affiliate link. So if you have any interest in their planners or their calendars, you can use them. Yeah, that's it. Please subscribe, give me a five-star rating, leave a review. Um, You can also send donations through PayPal. I am thinking maybe down the line of starting a reality TV recap podcast on Patreon because, like I said, that's my mental health coping mechanism. So if you watch The Challenge, Big Brother, The Circle, Drag Race, Housewives, Love & Hip Hop, Flora Bama Shore, if you want to hear what I have to say about it cuz I have a lot to say about it. You know, let me know. Maybe that'll be something that I that I get into either on this podcast or on Patreon. I will I will say right now I have gone back and started watching uh season 5 and 6 of Real Housewives of Atlanta and it's so good. It's so it's actually almost pure in a way. Um it's it's a lot more horrible because, you know, it was 8 years ago, so all of the phobias are rampant but there is um I think the people on the show are a lot happier just freer they're more just like being themselves you know it's before the show got really dark especially watching like Nini when she was just happy to be there it's a good time (laughs) all right so that's it. Follow me on socials um, at its Nampande. so its dot n a m p a n d e, or Black Witch on the Prairie. Everywhere but Twitter, where apparently that's too many characters, so I had to go with the handle Black Prairie Witch, which is b l k p r a i r i e w i t c h. Okay, thank you. I love you. I will talk to you soon. Bye.